Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is April 17th, 2019. And there is a lot to talk about, even though the media seems to be in a lull. And what have we said about lulls? Wow, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, and it's like kind of quiet, but not really quiet. There's a lot going on that we will be discussing today that the mainstream media isn't really pouncing on. People are kind of sucking their thumbs, waiting for something. No leaks, nothing. And I'm a little bit upset that I'm not getting the information or the confirmation about Assange having come to the U.S. already. And maybe that's because we're not supposed to know because we know that there are a lot of people around the world that want to do really bad things to Julian Assange, really, really bad things. So I'm okay with that, I guess. So today, I'd like to talk about the rise of President Donald J. Trump, how long he has been an esteemed member of our in, you know, extended community throughout the United States, how easily people forget. So I'm here to remind you that. Also here to remind you how, what an MOU is. And I know a lot of you have seen about these secret MOUs uh, that have come out to light. Sarah Carter did a great job exposing that. I will break that down for you. But I will also guide you to understand what an MOU is and how many of these secret MOUs exist. Like with what we have come to see in regards to documentation with private cellular companies with then director of the FBI Mueller in 2012 and 2013. So there's tons to talk about. I thought we should start by pepping ourselves up and just listen to how many times they said he would never be president. It always brings me joy to listen to this. The nominee, Chuck. I mean, as you know, I'm ahead in Ohio. <laughs> so, Jenny, could he actually win? No freaking way! <laughs> he will be tempted to run, be predictably shellacked. Do not tell me that Donald Trump is in this to win this, okay? He's a sideshow. This is going to turn a three-ring circus into a freak show. He's not running for president. He's running for keep me famous. I thought this was maybe some strategy for a new reality show. How should Republicans handle Donald Trump? Uh, ignore him. And Donald Trump is not going to be the nominee of this party. Well, I don't think it's likely that Donald Trump will be the nominee. Well, I, I do 
based on your theme, believe that he's here to stay for a while, maybe through a few primaries, but he is not going to be the nominee. Well, I'm going to support the Republican nominee, and I'm comfortable that it's not going to be Donald Trump. There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. Um, that's not going to happen. Donald Trump will not become president. He's not going to be president. He is not. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. Okay. I guarantee it. All right. All right. You think if he becomes the president, he'll make, make it great because the states is already great. I think that man will be president of the United States right about the time that spaceships come down filled with dinosaurs and red capes. On that note, Tom. <laughs> Take it Thank from me. Much. How about that? And then, of course, there's Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. Donald Trump just last week he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do, do it. Look, look at me. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now on behalf of this country which does not want you to be president but which badly wants you to run. So when you stand and deliver that State of the Union address in no part of your mind or brain can you imagine Donald Trump standing up one day and delivering a State of the Union address? Well, I can imagine it uh, in a Saturday night skip. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. He will never be president of the United States. And uh, we better be ready for the fact that he might be leading the Republican ticket next. <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but I want to go on. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. Okay, here we are. And which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? But, but, but come on, come on, buddy. All, let's say, cow poo-poo aside... There is zero chance we'll be seeing you being sworn in on the Capitol steps with your hand on a giant golden Bible. I'll make a prediction, though, for you. I, I don't really get into predictions much, but this one I'll go way out on a limb. Donald Trump will never, ever be president okay. of the United States. That Trump should not be in this race. He's an absurdity. He is a travesty. Donald Trump will never be elected president of the United States. All right, so I thought we would play that just a little bit so you guys can see the wide array of people that were saying that he will never be president of the United States. But now I'm going to play for you something from 1991. Look how highly respected he was by Congress. Very much. I'd like to call our next witness, Donald Trump, who certainly needs no introduction. Your fame and reputation precede you, Donald. Um, we're very happy to have you here. Uh, we know you to be very frank and outspoken, and uh, you've had ex- extensive experience, not only in real large real outspoken. estate developments, but also in sports and gaming and entertainment industries. And I'm glad you're able to make it here this morning and appreciate your, your waiting and being so patient as you have been. So we welcome you, especially uh, to listen and uh, 
learn from your experiences, as we know you've been very much involved in regard to this credit crunch that we have before our nation today. So you may proceed in any way that's comfortable with you. Okay, did you guys see that introduction in the House? How respected he was. How they brought him in to testify and discuss the credit crunch, economic recovery, 1991. This is how they used to treat him. That is how respected he was for his opinion to tell them how to fix the problem. During this testimony, he said to them, this is not a recession. We're in a depression. He told them that in order to be able to revive the economy, you only have to look at real estate and investments and there isn't any. And in New York City, if there is no building, there is no economy. It is ergo a depression. So President Donald J. Trump was always respected by leaders within our nation, both Republican and Democrat. They would reach out to him for advice. They would ask him for his input. I mean, later on in the show, I'll play clips where they're like, do you agree with this? Do you think this is okay? They're asking him, what do you think? But now he's a joke. That tells you all you need to know. He was great as long as he didn't seek to remove them. He was great as long as he was on the sidelines and gave them good ideas so that they can pursue his ideas as their own. He was great then. And like he said, he was always frank and outspoken, and that's correct. That is 100% correct. But here is an interview with the BBC. This is from 1998. Just listen to how he responds to something negative thrown at him and how he explains it and then how he talks about an eye for an eye. This is 1998. Take a listen. I get a great sense of artistic enjoyment out of those buildings. What do you think of of business methods in this city? I mean, you've been a New Yorker all your life, you've lived here. What do you think of the way people conduct business in the city? Well, I don't think that New York is that much different from other places. What I do think is that there's a greater energy in New York. There's a greater verve or a greater drive, maybe, in New York than most other places, and really than any other place I've seen. But I don't think that business itself is much different in New York than it would be anywhere else. Greed, corruption, I mean, you say... It's a throwaway line in the book, greed is good. Well, I don't think greed is good. And uh, as you know, they did the famous film where with Michael Douglas, Wall Street, where greed is good. But that is not the case. I mean, I think greed is bad. I think that you have to enjoy what you're doing. If you enjoy what you're doing, it'll be successful, generally. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, it's almost never going to be successful. Rich men are always targets. The richer you get, I suppose, the bigger the target that you present to people. How much does that worry you? Well, I think that rich men, um, I guess, are always targets. Rich people are always targets. And I think that 
there's a level of celebrity that I've attained, which has become so ridiculous now that it makes me an even bigger target. So it always bothers me, but there's really not much I can do about it. I mean, R I can't ridiculous help it. in what way? The celebrity level. Well, it's it's just become very tough to go out. It's very tough to do things. It's very tough to just even go to a restaurant in a sense because it's always shaking hands and signing autographs and things. And you know, it didn't used to be that way. But that's a symbol of success, is it? It You're is, a but it's, of it's your own success. It's not necessarily a good symbol. It's really, um, it causes lots of problems. I mean, you, you go out and you want to have dinner at a restaurant with a group of people, and it ends up being a big event, and you have people waiting at the entrance to the, it, it's just a very tough way to lead a life, I find. You talk in your book about getting even, the importance of getting even. Is, is revenge sweet? I believe strongly in getting even. If somebody has hurt you, if somebody's gone out of their way to hurt you, I think that if you have the opportunity, you should certainly go out of your way to do a number on them. And I've had more criticism about that one statement in my book than any other statement. The clergy is called, the ministers, the priests, the rabbis. They've all said, what a terrible thing to say. That's against our teachings. I just believe it. I believe in an eye for an eye. If you did turn the other cheek, as the clergy are presumably suggesting to you, what would that do to your reputation in business circles here in New York? Do you think? Well, I don't know what it would do to my reputation. I just don't believe instinctively in turning the other cheek. If somebody was out to hurt you, if somebody was out to do a number on you, I really believe that you should just do a number on them if you get the chance. Can you give me an Did you guys hear that? If someone does a number on you, if someone comes after you, if you have the chance, you do a number on them. He believes in poetic justice, I would say, in serving crow to those that seek to cause you harm. Remember, it's been for four decades that he has been a respected, unofficial advisor to almost all administrations that have come through in the past 40 years. And now... The old guard that is still in office, the old guard that is watching from the sidelines globally, all conspired against him, all of them. That tells you that what he is doing is not for his benefit. It's not for personal gain, but it's retribution to the people that they have harmed. This is who Donald J. Trump is. He's a fair guy. He's very smart, very calculated, and never goes into something without a contingency plan. You know, I would think with four decades on the planet myself that I would have been a little bit smarter with the people that I targeted. I've learned a great lesson from Donald Trump. Five years of preparation, five years of collecting information is not enough. You should strike when it's the appropriate time. And we remember that from the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Right after the 2012 re-election of Barack Hussein Obama, President Trump filed for a trademark of the slogan, Make America Great Again. That is something that he's said before. They knew at that point 
that he, mulling for a run for, what, 20 years, is now coming. And who was FBI director at the time? Yes, you guessed it. Robert Mueller. He was the FBI director on an extended tenure, I might add, by Barack Hussein Obama in 2012 and uh, the first half of 2013 before he passed the torch on to James Comey. So they knew just before Thanksgiving in 2012 that President Donald J. Trump was going to be running. And this brings us to something that is current, but must be explained because, you know, I like through my shows, my live radio shows to tell people the things that the media doesn't tell you, like, you know, actual facts. A memorandum of understanding. What does that mean? It's kind of like a memo that two people understand something. It's a type of agreement between one party and another or a group of people agreeing that they have an understanding um, that they have an intended uh, path that they want to execute or collaboration or conspire together to do something. So here's where it's odd. A memorandum of understanding doesn't give legal precedent. So it's not like you're legally committed to what you agreed to. So it's kind of like you and I have a memorandum of understanding that we sign with each other. And this memorandum of understanding says you and I both want to remove, I don't know, I'm just saying, Representative Pelosi. In order to do this, I will give you access to my server and you will give me access to your ac- to your system to look at, I don't know, phone records. Now, if this is binding between each other, then there will be the verbiage on the document that says so. Um, it's what people in the legal world call four corners. There should be offer, acceptance, consideration, and the intention of it being a legally bound document. Okay. So it's, it's, um, it's a little different than a regular contract. It's something like a interagency, uh, agreement, I, you know, like a memorandum of understanding is for, uh, you know, something that charities have with governments or uh, the FBI has with your local government or that your local police department has with the state police. These are all, hey, we agree to share this information for this common goal. There's also memorandums of understanding that are between countries. So it can be a memorandum of understanding with the United States and Cuba 
or a memorandum of understanding between, I don't know, Peru and uh, Uruguay. There are tons of different versions, but here's the thing. It only shows an intent to be legally bound. And the thing is, these an MOU, this Memorandum of Understanding, is very broad and very vague, but it's always, almost always kept confidential. Now, all of you may be thinking, hey, you're going to talk about the MOUs uh, that Jim Jordan discovered were signed. Yes, I will, but not yet. I'm going to tell you about an MOU that no one has discussed. After 9-11, there were multiple MOUs signed with telecoms companies. Some of them were on a federal level. Those were two cellular providers such as AT&T, Sprint, MCI, and all these other companies that existed and fell one-to-one, Orange Network, internationally too, right? Verizon, when it was named something else, Pink. There were so many cellular companies. So they all had memorandums of understanding in which they agreed to allow the federal government to monitor your cellular communications, either by way of, hey, we'll give you their call logs if you ask. Um, You don't really need a warrant. Uh, This is an understanding we have amongst each other. Some of them were on a state level. Hey, uh, you provide all the local landlines to this city. I don't know, AT&T, for example, or MCI in New York. And I reiterate, MCI in New York. They have agreements, memorandums of understanding with local law enforcement, which would allow them to tap phones, to trace calls, to see call logs with this memorandum of understanding. Now, the level of the memorandum of understanding was not to the point of tapping, wiretapping, because that would require a warrant, but they would allow them to target a specific call and say, Hey, if Donald Trump receives a call from Tory, we would like permission to record that call. Do you see what I'm saying? We just want to listen in to see if we need a warrant because we're suspicious under the Patriot Act, blah, 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 blah. Who was the FBI director at the time in 2012 after they realized that President Donald J. Trump was going to be running for president on Thanksgiving, right around Thanksgiving 2012, the White House, the Obama administration blew up. It was like, oh my gosh, this guy's really running. He got a trademark. Cohen told us he created a fund saying to convince Donald Trump because he had a fund to raise political campaign money. And his attorney, Cohen, changed the name of it, right? He changed it in 2011 and said, I'm not running. It's just going to be to convince him to run. So he made it as a tax-exempt organization to collect money, to convince President Trump to run. Well, it was filed 
on November 12th, 2012, that he was going to run because he filed for the MAGA trademark. And at that point, these MOUs became very important to the Obama administration. These MOUs with MCI, AT&T, and Sprint, obviously they can't listen into phone calls, but they're allowed to see the records according to the MOU just to see if there's a pattern of suspicious activity. We would like to see what calls the Trump organization makes. Hey, you think it was by chance that they went back that far with Cohen and Manafort? You gotta be kidding me. Memorandums of understanding are not legally bound, so you can't really hold Sprint, for example, responsible for having an agreement with the federal government based on the Patriot Act. You can't because it wasn't really an agreement. It was a memorandum of understanding, which meant if Sprint felt or uh, thought that this uh, agreement that they had was being abused, they can end it, right? How careful were they? When President Trump says that they were spying on him, we're not talking about FISA warrants. We're not talking about that. We're talking about memorandums of understanding that were signed and executed under the guise of the Patriot Act that did not require warrants that simply allowed these companies to have access to federal databases as well as the federal databases to have access to theirs. This is how it works. Scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. So now we're seeing, and you know, remember, these are all secret. The public doesn't need to know about it. It's just between two parties that they agree and have the intention to uh, share a common goal and achieve it. And this is where these secret MOUs in Congress come in. We'll talk about that right after the break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 800 
800-800-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So, guys, we were talking about Memorandum of Understanding. So just a recap so you understand just how secretive and what they actually do is and how much weight they don't really have. So it's really hard to sue someone or hold them accountable. Yet, a letter of intent is. And this is what I wanted to say. So just this month, when um, President Trump was meeting with the representative from China, uh, I think it was CNN that asked, how long do you think that uh, the memorandum of understanding we have between the U.S. and China is going to last? Do you know what President Trump said? I don't like them. I don't like them because they don't mean anything. MOUs mean nothing. We're going to have a trade agreement. That's what we're going to have. No memorandums of understanding. Why? Because a memorandum of understanding uh, in, in a court of law, right, in the U.S., is almost identical to a letter of intent. What does a letter of intent mean? Uh, a letter of intent is I send you a letter and I say, I intend to buy your business for $50,000. And I'm telling you what my intentions are coming to you. Memorandum of understanding is people agreeing for a specific intention, right? They agree some expectations they have of what they are all colluding to do, okay? This is where people can be involved, companies can be involved in governments. And I stress this again. In 2012, after they found out that President Trump was really going to be running for president after filing for his trademark right before Thanksgiving, then FBI Director Mueller already had secret MOUs in place with communication companies. I repeat, secret MOUs in place, intentions, intentions to locate 
foreign actors. Intentions to see if there's a pattern of crime. Remember, that's when we all in 2011 and 2012 were told, hey, if you say some really, you know, outlandish words, like the word bomb or something, you know, you might have black vans in your house. Remember how everyone used to joke about that, right? That's because there's a memorandum of understanding that monitoring calls can happen. So what say you if I tell you that maybe some of these MOUs were used to spy on the Trump or organization prior to him even announcing his run. This is how far Spygate goes. So remember, an MOU, don't 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 even think, right? Is like an outline of saying, all right, this is a no-go zone. This is it. This is what we agree on. This is what we're gonna do because we all want this outcome. So let's focus for a second to see what the Democrats have done. Like I've told you, MOUs are usually done in secret. It's not like you get a billboard and say, I intend to buy Joe's Pizzeria, uh, because then everybody else might be like, hey, Joe's Pizzeria looks attractive. Maybe I need to buy it, right? They're always secret. So Elijah Cummings from the Oversight and Government Reform Committee, along with crazy, insane Maxine Waters that was spanked earlier this month, which is the chair of the Financial Services Committee, have put together between those two committees a secret MOU, a secret memorandum of understanding. What is a memorandum of understanding? Like I explained. It's people agreeing to do some stuff with an intended goal. So there's an intention. What is the intention? To target President Donald J. Trump. And their intention and this agreement between themselves is to subpoena all his financial and banking records, according to the letter that Cummings sent from, uh, you know, that, that Cummings was received actually from Jim Jordan. So Jim Jordan found out that they subpoenaed under this secret memorandum that these two committees colluded together, right? Colluded, conspired together to request from his accounting firm, Mazars uh, USA, uh, they, sub- they sent a subpoena to hand over financial records. So apparently these, this memorandum of understanding was done by both committees and signed and agreed by also the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, which is Adam Schiff. Why is he even on that committee? Well, of course, the Democrats have the House for now. How many of them are going down? You'll just have to wait and see. So Schiff signed it. So we've got the Intelligence, the Committee on Intelligence, the uh, Financial Services Committee, and the Government Oversight and Reform Committee all signing this document. Remember, Schiff has demanded that we look into things and that the special counsel Mueller definitely had something about, you know, Trump and Russia, even though the report said no. So... Once this subpoena was sent, obviously they haven't complied. He sent them a letter. Now, just like I explained to you, he describes 
Memorandums of Understandings is agreements to conspire and coordinate efforts to attack and investigate the, the President of the United States. Remember, a Memorandum of Understanding is a letter of intent. What are your intentions? Your intentions are what? What is the outcome that all of these parties seek? We already know what Schiff's outcome and intent is. We already know Maxine's intent. Now we have Elijah Cummings too. Now, committees don't work like that. See, because committees are comprised of Democrats and Republicans. And when the chairman of the committee decides to take action without advising all members that are part of this committee, that is a very big deal. That indicates some really shady and nefarious business, which means they're willing to go to any extent right now, any It seems like people in the House aren't even there to pass laws. That's the truth. Have you guys seen them pass any laws? Pelosi's slamming the hammer, and all they do is try to find new ways to impeach President Trump or prove that there's a there there in the Russia collusion delusion theory. That's all. That's their goal. Their memorandum of understanding is impeach. So he sent a letter to Cummings to offer transparency. Because remember, Elijah Cummings is the chairman. So is Maxine. So is Schiff. But these people are elected to represent people of the United States. So when your chairman decides, hey, I'm doing this, uh, you need to know because he represents you, right? It's kind of like for me in my city that's broke beyond any doubt. The mayor decides and, and his businessman, we're going to go to Norway and use CDBG funds, which are like, you know, to rebuild the city after this flood. We're going to use those funds to go to Norway because if we go to Norway on a trip with the Minot State University choir, that's going to add to the resilience of the city, like seriously. So this is where citizens are like, okay, this doesn't sound right. Provide me the documents. Let me see it. How did, how does it make sense? Well, this is exactly what Jim Jordan is doing because he found out about these secret MOUs. See, you and I wouldn't know about it unless we're there because that's the whole point of an MOU that nobody sees it. It never sees the light of day. If you guys go back uh, if you go to big league politics, uh, look for, you know, Patrick Howley, who's the editor. I gave him a bunch of documents about a secret MOU that in my state that was signed with the FBI. The people of the state of North Dakota never knew it was signed. In fact, the FBI director who signed that document, this memorandum of understanding, was on 60 Minutes three days after he signed it, because I have the dates of his signature, telling... 60 minutes, hey, you know what? Um, no, we don't collect personal information and put it on a database. Never. There's no such thing as FBI face services. Really? Then why is there a document out there three days prior to this interview that you signed that is exactly that? FBI face services, memorandum of understanding with the Attorney General of North Dakota. See, nobody would know about this. If they weren't in the mix, see, I was in the mix and I knew about it in 2014 because I was investigating 
the actions of government officials within the state for other reasons, and this just crossed my path. I would have never known it existed other than that. So Jim Jordan accidentally found out about this. So he posed some questions to him and listen to how alarming these questions are. How many MOUs with committee chairpersons have you, Elijah Cummings, signed as chairman since the beginning of this Congress, the 116th? Wow. So now we got to ask about MOUs that exist, and he's supposed to give it. He can't say, well, I'm not telling you. He has to, because there's both Republicans and Democrats. Apparently, the Democrats know about these MOUs, but nobody told the Republicans. And this committee isn't just made up of Democrats. There are Republicans, too. His second question posed is, will you provide the committee with a detailed list of other MOUs you've signed, including their dates and who signed it and what the topics of the MOU is? Kind of like the memorandum of understanding that the attorney general of North Dakota signed in 2013, right? With, uh, Cuthbertson of the FBI. That is a very key name you guys should be paying attention to. This guy has been everywhere in regards to data collection. Uh, He actually puts out all the RFPs on government databases uh, to source companies, private companies, to collect your information. Like the way Amazon collects your voice. The way people who fingerprint for work, they collect that too. Uh, So he's an important name. Remember that name, Cuthbertson. Anyway, so in that memorandum of understanding, there's always a goal. What is the goal? The goal is to share information. So we're going to find out how many MOUs his committee, how, uh, you know, with committee chairpersons have been signed. So it's just the chairpersons acting independently without anyone. And then which one of these and tell us the scope of them. Like what was the purpose? Third question is why did you not publicly disclose that you had signed MOUs with committee chairpersons? Like if you don't talk about it, it's because you don't want people to know about it. And why wouldn't you want people to know about it if you're a legislator and everything's supposed to be transparent? Last time I checked, Cummings, last time I checked, Waters and Schiff, you're not an intelligence agent. You are not an intelligence asset. So why wouldn't you publicly disclose it? Why would you choose not to consult with any Republican members before signing these MOUs or getting together and discussing them? Because this MOU isn't just, oh, yeah, here, I'll shoot you an email, just sign it or whatever. They sit down and they talk details like what each committee can contribute for the goal. So financial services committee, intelligence committee, government oversight uh, committee, each of those committees have access to different information. So all of them are like, Schiff is like, well, I'll just get the CIA to give me stuff. And maybe we could get a national security letter, or maybe we could do this. Maxine is like, well, on the financial side, I can put pressure on the IRS and they can do this. And Cummings is like, yeah, and I'll do an oversight saying that there might be a discrepancy in how he donates his money. And, and then they come together from all areas for one common purpose. That's how MOUs work, right? They share. They work together. So why wouldn't he consult with any Republican members? Why is it only the Democrats knew about it? So then he goes, question six. Have you signed any MOUs as chairman with any entities outside of the House of Representatives relating to the committee's oversight or legislative work? Ah, key. 
have you signed memorandums of understanding with organization outside? So being on the, you know, government oversight committee, right? Because that's where uh, Cummings is, right? He's house oversight government reform. So have you, what, signed maybe an MOU with EFF? I'm just saying there's no way the EFF would sign with Cummings. Uh, they're always targeting the, the, the garbage uh, that he lets go through. But th- th- this is what I'm saying. Other organization, charities, maybe CrowdStrike, I don't know, Fusion GPS, something. Have you signed anything with someone else to help you in this common goal that's outside of the house? That's interesting. Then he also asked, to the extent of your MOUs uh, create duties for the committee that conflict with the rules of the House of Representatives or the rules of the committee, which duties prevail? So if your rules, let's pretend the rules of the committee is you eat breakfast, you go to the bathroom, and you sign into your computer. So say those are the rules. Well, if this MOU says uh, skip breakfast, go to the bathroom and sign on to your computer, which one's first? The MOU or the rules of the house? Basically, just that's what he's asking. To see if he considers the MOU to supersede the house rules, which means it would allow and provide more insight to see is this an MOU or an actual executed agreement. See where he's going with this? Smart. So then the eighth question is, the rules of the committee for the 116th Congress do not authorize the chairman to bind the whole committee for the 116th Congress, right, through an MOU. So that means Elijah and his whole committee, right, made up of, uh, let's pretend, 11 people, six of them are Democrats, five of them are Republicans. The rules of the House say you cannot bind someone with an MOU to do the job, which tells you what? It tells you that Elijah Cummings probably came at someone and said, you need to do this. And they're like, but I didn't sign that. doesn't matter. I'm the chairman. You're doing this. So he's pointing out that no one is legally bound by an MOU according to to the rules of the committee for this Congress, 116th. So he said, could you explain the specific authority that allows you to bind the committee through an MOU without first obtaining approval through a vote of the committee? Because he didn't put it in for a vote. He's like, I'm chairman, and I say, yep, let's do this. Hmm. Which raises the question, does the House Speaker have any MOUs? Huh? Interesting. So number nine. As I understand your MOU with Chairwoman Waters, you have committed to sharing committee information with the Financial Services Committee. This provision of your MOU may conflict with the rules of the House of Representatives and the committee's whistleblower protocol, which requires the committee to keep some committee information confidential. Will you still protect the confidentiality of whistleblower information, notwithstanding your apparent obligation to share it with the Financial Services Committee? So what does his committee, what does Elijah's Cummings committee do? It's the House of Oversight and Government Reform. What do they examine? Guys, his committee oversees fraud, waste, and abuse on a federal and state level. 
They get whistleblower complaints from people that work within the government or citizens that have acknowledged that employees of state and federal governments that are using federal funds are misusing them or there's fraud or there's uh, civil rights violations. These are all whistleblowers. That's exactly how I got my hands on the MOU for the state of North Dakota. That's exactly how I complain for the abuses of federal uh, and state tax money that my state is doing. So his committee has very private information. And if he's sharing that, he is violating whistleblower protections by providing it to the Financial Services Committee. For example, I filed uh, complaints through the FBI and the government reform and the Financial Services Committee on one of my senators here in my state who has falsified or seems to have falsified his financial information in the Senate. So that would mean that if, you know, the committee like the intelligence committee that shifts sits on should not be privy to that information that the government reform, uh, you know, committee has because then he has my name and maybe he can use my name because he's friends with that senator to weaponize the intelligence agency. You see what I'm saying? Whistleblower protections. So this is huge. He's pointing out that they're sharing information amongst each other that may indeed fall under whistleblower protections. And for him to ask the question, I think Jim Jordan's kind of like me. If I'm asking the question, I already know the answer. So the 10th question he poses in this letter is, as I understand your MOU with Chairman Waters, you have agreed to consult with her before issuing a subpoena. Do you intend to consult with Chairwoman Waters before or after you consult with me as required by the committee rules? If I object to your proposed subpoena, do you intend to consult with Chairwoman Waters before or after the committee votes as you promised in the committee's organizing meeting? So here's the thing. If a committee wants to issue a subpoena, they have to talk to the minority leader and then they also have to get a vote. The way this MOU is, is that chair, you know, uh, Chairman uh, Cummings and Chairwoman Waters will sit there and discuss the subpoena, outline it, and maybe even issue it or whatever without even a vote from the rest of the committee, which means he's the leader. Everybody needs to shut up. They're all ornaments. He takes decisions. That's not how it works. That's not how a committee is organized. This is why we have a committee, because there's different people and they have to vote. Right. On is this allowed or is this not allowed? Are we okay with this or are we not okay with it? And if the minority leader objects, how are you going to go and discuss it with someone else if he's already objected? What if your votes are not enough to get it to go through? And his final question, as I understand your MOU with Chairman Waters, you have declined to include any provision protecting the minorities rights to documentary or testimonial information. Can you guarantee that minority members will have the same access to documentary or testimonial information under this MOU as we do in every other committee inquiry? Wow. So this MOU explicitly says that you will not be sharing any information or any documents or any discussions or any testimony taken with the Republicans. This is unheard of. This is insane. This is happening in the United States of America. Listen, guys, one thing we need to understand is that we are not a free country. 
We have the illusion of freedom. Yes, we have our constitution. Yes, if we actually have the money and the stamina to wait to go to the Supreme Court, you will be vindicated for the freedoms that the constitution provides to you as long as they don't do out with them because you know all of them are starting to get rid of the second amendment. Amendment. Get rid of the First Amendment. The Fourth Amendment, not really, because we need to add, you know, certain amendments to the amendment. But we're not. I mean, even property tax is illegal. You know, we need to understand that the way they're operating is not the way a free country works. It is not the way a country that values the input from its citizens work. Here we see chairmen of committees not even valuing the input of the members that make up the committee. What makes you think Cummings or Waters or Pelosi or Schiff care what you have to say? No, they don't. This is how regimes reign. This is why I always call it the Obama regime, the Clinton regime, the Bush regime, or dynasty, I would say. Uh, You know, Reagan regime, and even though Reagan was a great guy, once he got shot, the only thing he had was his mouth. Bush 41 was a three-term president. And remember, who was Bush 41's right-hand man? William Barr. Let's just remember that. Don't forget that. Because a lot of people are like, Barr's doing this. Barr's like, yeah, he is. Because he has to. But the old guard never changes their stripes. President Trump knows that firsthand. You all need to be paying attention to the little things. This is a huge concern. This MOU thing, huge concern. So huge. And what is to come out of it will be interesting. What will come out of this? How will they respond to this? This is a problem for all of us. This not only demonstrates that they have complete disregard for the citizens of the United States, but they even have a complete disregard for members of their own committees. They will go to any length, any length, to take down the president. They will go to any length to maintain power and they will go to any length to ensure that their regime keeps on. Remember that Cummings had said, right, as the chairman of the oversight committee, that he would be holding... Michael Cohen, responsible for his lies. It's been over a month, approaching even two months, still nothing. Let's remember that. So this subpoena is a very big deal. Not only that they're going behind closed doors and colluding to create subpoenas, but they're also discussing how to keep it out of the eyes of the Republicans. I'll see you all just after this break. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio.
You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Now, this hour is going to give you some insight that no one has given you. I'm going to point to one thing the president did on April 10th, 2019, that none of you knew he did. Nobody reported on that he did. And you can see just what he's doing from that one thing. Now, remember, you can always follow me on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says. Always go to my website, ToriSays.com, where I upload my shows. I'm a little bit late on that one, you know, um, on updating that. But you will see articles and things of interest, things that I tell you because they're important to know. It'll be something kind of just like my article uh, yesterday about the Ohio representative. I mean, what's that all about? Did you see that? How crazy the Democrats are. They were pushing for an exemption to the abortion heartbeat bill based on skin color. Is that insane or what? And her argument was, well, if you don't allow African-American, black women, whatever you want to call, you know, people of color, if you don't allow them to get abortions, it's because you're, it's like you're studying them. So you have more slaves. Like guys, she literally said that. And she said, for America to legislate like there's no slavery still here is insane. Guys, I heard it. I was just like, oh my gosh. And you're going to be like, what are you doing in Ohio? Uh, I pay attention to everything. Because every little thing fits in the puzzle. You know, everyone in the mainstream media and a lot of people focus like you know when you do a puzzle you do like the outline the corners and the you know the ones that you can easily suss out I don't look at those pieces I look at the middle because that's where the juice is I look at the middle I let all the other people do the outlines I look at the middle and here's a middle part that you guys missed but before we do that I want to continue just playing just to fix our mood just a little bit just give you a minute of how President Trump was never going to be president. Donald Trump is a here today, gone tomorrow candidate for president of the United States. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Although uh, respectful of the fact that the people have not voted, he's not going to be president of the United States. Let's be clear. Donald Trump will lose the election. He had a really good chance to be different and really have a chance to change things, but he he doesn't do the work. He's lazy. We talk about. He doesn't do the work. He's lazy. Well, let me show you some work that has got the Democrats freaking out. Do you remember when I told you how Beto O'Rourke's family has 22,000 acres, you know, along the border? Right. Do you remember when I told you that? Do you remember how I told you that he's laid out railroad tracks and he just moves stuff across the border? Okay. Uh, And I've mentioned before that my husband works for the railroad. Let me explain something. So that way you understand just how awesome this is. So let's pretend I have a farm that borders with Canada. 
And there is one that has like beautiful, beautiful big horses too. So let's pretend I'm that farmer that has the horse farm adjacent to the border. And you come along and say, hey, you know, hey, you, I've got juice in my hoose that I want to sell, you know, to the Americans. And in my land, I will create a railroad and let it go through your land until it meets up with the regional one railroad so we can transport my orange juice. How does that work? So the Canadian guy who has the juice in his hoose <laughs> gets, a, gets a permit from his local um, state. So he's in Saskatchewan, let's say. So he goes to his city and then his state approves that he can build a railroad for the reasons of export. Border Patrol um, has to assign people to check stuff every now and then. They need to do classes on regulations, what you're allowed, and then they spot check stuff. They don't check every single train thoroughly. Like, for example, my husband takes trains across the border all the time, and they're two miles long. They're not going to enter each and every petrol tank and say, is this really gas? Is this really oil, or is it liquid meth? They don't do that, but they spot check. And then me as the farmer that borders where this railroad would be, I would then apply to my city and then the state of North Dakota would give me the license to uh, build the railroad. And, and, you know, they're like, yeah, great. Yeah, I'm going to get tax money from this, you know, movement. That's great now that you can agree. And then I apply to agree with the company that's the class one railroad regional, right? It's like, uh, what is it? Yeah, they're called class one railroads. Uh, to merge with theirs so they could take my product and move it around, you know, take the juice and the hoose product and move it around the United States. Okay. This is how it works. <laughs> this is how corruption happens because think about it. In El Paso, where Beto is from and his family owns 22,000 acres on the Mexican side, right on the border of the U.S. side too. They decide to lay out a choo-choo train and get train uh, cars coming in from the region, class one regional railroads of Mexico that come in all the way from Central America, whatever. And then Beto on the American side builds a railroad and applies through the city of El Paso in this county and whatever in the state of Texas. Actually, in some states, it only stays on a city level, and that, and then the city pays the tax to the state. So this is very independent, okay? So then they decide to create an agreement with BNSF or you know Union Pacific to merge with theirs so they can distribute their products going further. BNSF, for example, has a direct route from one of Beto's merging railroad tracks straight out to, guess what, L.A., straight out to Nevada, Straight out to Chicago. Three routes. All right. So now that you understand that, let's talk about oil pipelines. So I'm in North Dakota. There's, um, let's pretend there's 50. Look, from all the counties that are in this state, only three of them don't have oil or gas, just so you know. And the state government won't tell you which ones those are. But, you know, your senators and congresspeople and legislators all know because they've seen it. They just happen to buy land that may or may not have minerals, but it's definitely adjacent to those that do. Maybe like lakes and stuff. And so they start drilling, but they siphon from the neighboring property. And you know they have a right to drill and whatever, and you go prove going under your lake or ground that they take it. Because you know they get their permits on a local level. 
But here's where President Trump decided, all right, guys, this is enough. We've got people bringing in things from every port of entry into our country. Through gas pipelines, underground, overground bridges, trains, planes, ships. Remember, where does Pelosi have a lot of money in? Containers. So on April 10th, he signed an executive order that from now on, that from now on, the Secretary of State will be receiving all applications for issuance or amendment of permits for the construction, connection, operation, or maintenance at the international boundaries of the United States for, number one, pipelines, conveyor belts, and similar facilities for exportation and importation of all products from a foreign country. So if we're bringing in water from Canada... And you want a new pipeline to pipe it up to the northern, you know, I don't know, to Montana to give them Canadian water or something. You no longer just apply within Canada and the U.S. and then there's an agreement with the state locally. Everything goes from the secretary through the secretary of state. Facilities for the exportation or importation of water or sewage to or from a foreign country. So are we shipping out our garbage and water somewhere else? Is California importing water from anywhere? Are we charging people for water in Montana, but they're really getting it from Canada? You know, stuff like that. Facilities for the transportation, keywords here, of persons or things or both to or from a foreign country. Ouch. Hmm. Facilities for the transportation. So we're talking railroad stations, railroad tracks, roads for ports of entry, airplanes, ships. Let's do it. Next, bridges to the extent that congressional authorization is not required. So if you want to build a bridge, I don't know, let's just pretend from Michigan over like the huge lake, they decide, yeah, let's get it into Canada and Congress doesn't need to approve it. Secretary of State does. It's no more between Michigan, the state of Michigan, the county, and the Canadian county or government. It's all going through the Secretary of State because you are crossing borders. Next, similar facilities above or below ground tunnels. Interesting. Border crossings for land transportation, including motor and rail vehicles to and from a foreign country, whether or not in conjunction with the facilities identified in subsection B3 of this section. And B3 is facilities for transportation of persons, things, or both to and from a foreign country. So, you know, if you're, if you have like a port of entry where cars go through on the Northern border or the Southern border, you've got to satisfy three and, you know, six. Now he goes, upon receipt of an application pursuant to this subsection of all these things that you have to, the Secretary of State may request additional information from the applicant that the president may deem necessary. That the president may deem necessary. I repeat that. It's important. Or two, refer the application and pertinent information to heads of agencies specified by the president. Ooh, 
Something's up, and do you know what's up? It's those new applications for what? Come on, guys. Border entries. Remember, we're talking about it. Yuma just declared a state of emergency because they dumped so many migrants. McAllen was like, we don't have a border crisis. Now they're in a state of emergencies because of too many migrants. So what did the Democrats decide? Let's lobby at these border, border states to open up more ports of entry that the states will fund themselves. But, oh, no, look at this executive order. They can't do that. They can't do that unless the president says so. Then he continues in this to say that the secretary of state shall, as soon as practicable, after receiving an application pursuant to the, the section, you know, outlining who has to send it to the secretary of state, which is everybody and their mother coming you know, moving things in and out of the border or facilitating the moving in and out of things from the U.S. border or ports. He will advise the president whether the president should request the opinion in writing of any heads of agencies concerning the application in any related manner. Oh, so you mean like railroad tracks that Beto has from Mexico going straight over to Chicago with no stops. You mean that one, right? What kind of agency heads would you put on that? I don't know, maybe like the DEA, COES, you know, for child exploitation, human trafficking divisions, FBI, other intelligence community elements, tons. So any agency heads whose opinion the president requests shall provide views and render such assistance as may be requested consistent with their legal authority in a timely manner, not to exceed in 30 days. So that means if I want to know how come, you know, Pelosi, for example, can ship containers through Long Beach, California via Hawaii to Australia all the time, and this route is facilitated and such going through these secret ports kind of like you know how jets go to their own little private airport i can ask the fbi and the cia to survey the place collect information check the phone records check who works there look what goes in and out and who really inspects this stuff and do they inspect this stuff under 30 days and with respect to each application the secretary of state may solicit such advice from state tribal and local government officials and foreign governments as the president deems necessary. So here's where the president's going to be like, all right, all right. I want to know what the state of Texas has to say about this. How is this railroad that Beto has on his family property benefiting the state of Texas? Are you getting taxes? What is your opinion of him wanting to create a fast track route to the Canadian border? Tell me. And they all have to respond within 30 days. Now, upon receiving all this information and doing everything, the Secretary of State can then advise the President accordingly. And if, in the conclusion, the Secretary of State is of the opinion that the issuance of a presidential permit be given to the applicant or amend the existing presidential permit uh, that would not serve foreign policy interests to the U.S., then the secretary shall advise the president, pay attention to the verbiage. So it's not just new stuff. It's stuff that's already in place. All that stuff Obama did. We're talking tariffs. We're talking avocado gate for the liberals. We'll talk, we're talking all that. Oh, my gosh. This is one of the most awesome executive orders that no one paid attention to. This is how... You gain control of what comes in and out of your country. See, while everyone is distracted 
with building the border and at the slow pace that the U.S. Army Corps engineer is moving. Let's not forget that they're global, right? U.S. Army Corps engineer, totally global. And, of course, longstanding persons assigned there, which means there is always the opportunity for corruption, quid pro quo, and unnecessary delays for certain things. It doesn't matter. This executive order tips everything on their head. This executive order allows us to impose tariffs as we see fit as he puts them in place. And no court in the nation can refute that. If the president says, hey, Mexico, you're not doing a good job. We're not buying your avocados anymore. We're just going to invest in farmers in the south of the United States to plant them. We'll give them free government money to change their farms that now plant onions so that we can make avocados. And we'll just buy our onions from, I don't know, Jamaica, for example, because we're, we're good with them now. That's how trade works. This is how you fix things. You don't look at one solution. The border is one solution. Immigration control is another solution. But how do you stop child trafficking, human trafficking, drug trafficking, Quid pro quo, loading on tanks with things, shipping stuff out illegally from the United States, bringing things into the United States from Mexico or Canada illegally, or by ships. This is how you do it. You do it by reevaluating every one of these permits they have to have railroad tracks on their property, or ports of entry, or ports at the uh, you know where where ships dock, or private ports. Or maybe like where FedEx flies into. I mean, they don't, you know, at your airport, they fly into different runway and go through a different exit, right? Those permits will be investigated. That money will be seen. Any port of entry, any foreign exchange bringing any person or thing into our country, get it? On foot, air, land, or sea. If you are at a port of entry of our country, you will be re-examined. Anything you have in place will be re-examined. And if we find that something smells, we will just ask all the agencies with their full power to investigate it. And we will get the documentation for it. We will then investigate tax returns and see how this all plays out. Are you getting it? And it moves on to say any decision to issue, deny, or amend a permit under this will be made solely by the president because the president controls our border, contrary to what the Democrats are saying. He controls the border, what comes in and what comes out from people and things. So the secretary said, consistent with applicable law, will review the Department of State's regulations and make appropriate changes to them to ensure consistency with this order by no later than May 29, 2020. That means this whole year and prior to the elections, every single port of entry, every single railway, roadway, runway, waterway, will be reevaluated. In regards to existing permits, all permits here, two, four issued pursuant to the orders within this section and in force at the date of this order shall remain in full effect in accordance with their terms unless and until modified, amended, suspended, or revoked by the appropriate authority. So basically, 
whatever permit is issued after April 10th, 2019 is pretty much good to go, right? Because they're starting from scratch for new stuff, which they've got tons of those orders from these bordering states. Tons. See, because the Democrats are at work too. They're like, darn it, he's getting his wall. Well, then we'll just fill up the border with a bunch of ports. And we'll just buy up land. This is where, see, I really wish I had clones of me. And I really wish that people out there on their free time, citizens on their free time, would kind of take a look. If you did the homework in just your state and took a look at what they're doing, this would be so much easier to put through. So, for example, if you focus on like Arizona, you know, on the weekend with her coffee, you can see what permits have they applied for? Have they applied for a new port of entry? Great. What have they done? Send it to a journalist you trust will look into it. Send it to them. Because unfortunately, people like Laura Loomer, right, for example, if you guys don't send her tips or if you don't send her information, she can't find it because she might not see it because there's so much out there. Kind of like Ohio. How was I seeing it? Because I'm following the heartbeat bills. I'm following to see what the arguments are and how they're pushing it forward. That's why I saw this. This insane comment. So if I'm not following it, I won't see it. Beto, I already know that they applied for new railroad track uh, just eight months ago uh, through his his wife's uh, parents' property. They wanted to lay more railroad so they can sync up with another BNSF uh, railway, which is going through some company called Waco or Watco, shoot, Watcom or something like that. Another regional kind of uh, railroad. So this is huge. This is telling you that the president, aside from just beefing up border security, aside from just uh, trying to create some immigration reform, this is why he asked the people that are supposedly working for us to come back and get some immigration law done. He's building the wall. He's diverting these illegal immigrants to the cities that wanted them in the first place, that created the laws for them. But that's not how you stop everything. We still get drugs. Crimes are happening everywhere. Child and human trafficking. The only way you can stop it is by having more control. And the only way you can control is that those that seek to use our government avenues, like use the courtrooms, law enforcement permits and such as their own jungle gym to play with us and manipulate the system in order to make it work for them. That's how you target it. Cause that's where the big money is. It'll be interesting to see how many times trains running through Beto Beto country of those 22,000 acres, which by the way, that stretch of the border has the most unmonitored illegal immigrants running through. It would be amazing to see what those trains bring into the United States. Is it really oil? Is it really gas? Is it really beats heads phones? Is it really avocados? Is it maybe bananas injected with AIDS? I'm just saying, you remember that? I saw that going around. Could it be, you know, not avocados and the nut inside the avocado that they nicely so sealed actually has like balls of cocaine that, you know, they're really nifty on how they move things. They have liquid meth now, liquidized cocaine. (laughs) They get crafty. This is going to be fun. I think going forward, this, this, 
these investigations, these reexaminations, I'm telling you, the ports of entry that are going to be examined first are the ones with hotbed activity. We're talking Tijuana, Yuma, El Paso, McAllen. Those are the areas they're going to check. We're going to see so much coming out. And on top of that, we're going to see railways in the Pacific Northwest. So we're talking BNSF. We're talking Union Pacific crossing over to Canada. And then from Canada, they go out to Asia or Russia. So this is huge. See, nobody talked about this. Nobody pointed it out. Nobody was looking because that's the way the mainstream media wants us. They don't want us realizing what this president is actually doing. They don't want us to see just how hardworking he is. You know, if you saw it, Mark Cuban called him lazy. Really, man? How is he lazy? How is he lazy? This man has literally boomed our economy. And you know what? Here's the thing. In the 90s, the stock market was super hyperinflated. You couldn't invest in real estate. You couldn't invest in anything that was tangible. So we had like a bubble, the tech bubble as they call. That's why we had it. Because nobody had anywhere to invest. No one would bond anything out. There was nothing real to invest in. So the stock market came up. But here's the deal. We've got a high stock market with places to invest. We've got business investments on the consumer end, property, real property, bonds that are going out. This is what a good economy is, where you have tangible investments and then the market fluctuations. He's doing an amazing job. And this executive order shows you that he's anything but lazy. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. 
So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. Again, I'm, on, I'm your host, Tori. So I'd like to thank uh, a listener, Mike, for sending me a breaking tweet that um, Soul Pess is, uh, is dead. Um, by the way, just so everyone knows, she's Peruvian in descent. I've been kind of taking a look at her, and no offense, guys, but she does not look 18, looks way older. But apparently the FBI said they caught her, and now they're saying she's dead. Uh, so I just want to play a little clip from CBS Denver, um, how they caught her and now she's dead um, all within one hour. Uh, Let's see if this will play because it's on Facebook and we all know how Facebook is not very friendly to browsers that don't let them (laughs) track. Let's see how this plays out. So she's dead. Interesting. Newsroom, once again, more breaking news on the search for Sol Pais, the young woman who was the subject of credible threats to schools that resulted in the cancellation of many schools across Colorado this morning. Our Matt Kroschel is at Echo Lake right now. He, a short time ago, confirmed for us that authorities had her in custody but has now learned new information about her condition. Matt. Alan, uh, they were not telling us her condition at the time, but law enforcement sources are now telling me that are very close, uh, closely aligned with this investigation that their suspect is, in fact, dead. Uh, the coroner has been called, the Clear Creek County coroner has been called up here to the area where she was located in the woods near the Echo Lake uh, Lodge here at the base of the road up to Mount Evans. Uh, and I'm told it's going to be several hours as investigators from both uh, the Federal uh, Bureau of Investigations as well as local officials uh, kind of gather uh, here on the scene, and they are going to be working this. They're not giving any information about uh, kind of what might have led up to this, but they have confirmed, multiple sources have confirmed with me that this suspect is, in fact, dead. Uh, Matt, they didn't indicate to you how she died, whether this was because there was a SWAT team in the area by authorities or by her own hand or some other means, correct? I asked about any shots being fired or anything like that. And uh, and no, there have not been any shots fired, at least according to the law enforcement sources that I have been uh, working with here to try to get some more information cleared up. Where there's a lot of information out there, but uh, that is what we can confirm is that... Uh, 
of the original message back to command post that they had her, they, quote, we've got her, actually meant that they've had located her, and in fact, she is dead. Yeah, did they indicate anything to you about how they found her in that area, pinging of a cell phone signal or something to that effect? They wouldn't, they wouldn't confirm any of that, but we had uh, spoken to a witness up here. Uh, someone was, uh, was talking about some leads that were bringing them into this area because a woman uh, kind of matching this description described as, quote, naked, running with a, a firearm, was spotted in the area this morning or within the last uh, several hours. Uh, so a large response by both the FBI and local SWAT teams up here. They have a base camp set up uh, with a mobile command post. And because the cell phone service is so bad up here, the FBI agents are actually having to drive down the hill like I am to make this call to uh, kind of give you an update of what's going on. There's uh, virtually zero service at the area where this is happening. So, uh, again, information is slow to get out, but we are uh, confident with the information we have from several local law enforcement sources in the area and uh, and very close to this investigation that uh, the suspect is dead. Yeah, for those uh, who are not familiar with that area, that's at the convergence of the roads that come out of Idaho Springs and other out of Evergreen, and that's at over 10,000 feet of altitude. So it is cold up there. Why a woman would be running around without clothing is a mystery. And how she got there is yet to be established, Matt, because we know she flew into Colorado on Monday and then allegedly bought a shotgun and then uh, apparently took a ride-sharing service uh, into the area and was known to be in the foothills somewhere. But how she got all the way up that road is, is still unclear, correct? That's correct. Still a lot of questions here. And, of mm-hmm. course, they're going to be on scene for several more hours as they work to uh, bring her remains out of this heavily wooded area. All right, Matt Kroeschel, thanks very much for your work there and pinning down. Guys, doesn't that sound strange? So she's running around naked in the woods, uh, made it up from Florida. If you see the chats where she's talking her plans, it was more about, I want to be around more like-minded people. She suddenly had a Columbine fantasy. I mean, you don't even know what to believe. Do you trust them? Ride-sharing services. Do we trust the Uber drivers? I mean, we saw all that testimony with Vegas and Uber drivers and Lyft drivers. I'm just saying, it sounds strange that you're in the woods where it's really freaking cold and you're naked. You go from Florida to Colorado from zero to 100. Nobody knows how you get there. You supposedly threaten schools, but there's no registration. It's just bizarre. So I don't really want to comment on it. Just wanted to point out a few holes in what makes it just curious and makes you want to ask more questions. Uh, So um, I thought... You know, that's something uh, that I should just reference right now. So before I continue, I think it's a lot more fun just to empower us to just listen to maybe another few seconds of people saying how President Trump will never win. About him every day, and we continuously He's bash him. He's going to be the president. He... Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. To a wake-up call to the Republican Party, uh, despite Boris thinking that Donald Trump could win New York, like this, the, the presidential race is over. It just, just could I just cut through? I have one thing to say, one thing only, and that is that this race is over. Tomorrow morning, the money will dry up. The Republicans will start to hide. Trump has no place to go. This race, effectively, as of tonight, is no longer a presidential race. I will get, I mean, everything I know about presidential politics, and I've been through five of them. I've never seen one like this. This race is over. You might as well accept it. And the question now is, how do you minimize damage? 
And the only way you can do that, it seems to me, is to try to grab hold of some old conservative value things and do what Mondale did in 84, which is try to save a few people down ballot. But as far as Donald Trump's concerned, it will never, ever, ever happen. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. <laughs> well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. That's like my favorite. And he will not only go down as the worst president ever, but my bets on impeaching 44 retroactively, let's just state that. So to continue on this, we're not paying attention, um, you know, scenario. I thought that it would be interesting for me to play a little bit about what Pompeo said today, because this is really important. Here we go. Good morning, uh, everyone. Welcome. Uh, I'm here to announce an important decision regarding the United States policy towards Cuba. In 1996, Congress passed the Cuban Liberty and Democratic Solidarity Act, also known as Libertad. Uh, under Title III of that act, the United States citizens who had their property confiscated by the Castro regime were given the right to file suit against those who traffic in such properties. But those citizens' opportunities for justice have been put out of reach uh, for more than two decades. Now more than 22 years, every president, every secretary of state has suspended Title III in the hope that doing so would put more pressure on the Cuban regime to transition to democracy. But just as we did in regard to moving our embassy to Jerusalem, the true capital of Israel, or designating the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps for what it is, a terrorist organization, the Trump administration recognizes reality. We see clearly that the regime's repression of its own people and its unrepentant exportation of tyranny in the region has only gotten worse because dictators perceive appeasement as weakness, not strength. President Obama's administration game of footsie with the Castro's junta did not deter the regime from continuing to harass and oppress the heroic ladies in white, a group of women dedicated to peacefully protesting the regime's human rights abuses. More broadly, the regime continues to deprive its own people of the fundamental freedoms of speech, press, assembly, and association. Indeed, according to NGO reports, Cuban thugs made more than 2,800 arbitrary arrests in 2018 alone. In the run-up to the country's recent sham constitutional referendum, one that enshrined the Communist Party as the only legal political party in Cuba, the regime harassed, beat, and detained leaders and activists, opposition leaders and activists. 310 people were arbitrarily detained, according to the Cuban Commission on Human Rights and National Reconciliation. Cuba's behavior in the Western Hemisphere undermines the security and stability of countries throughout the region, which directly threatens United States national security interests. The Cuban regime has for years exported its tactics of intimidation, repression, and violence. They've exported this to Venezuela in direct support of the former Maduro regime. Cuban military intelligence and state security services today keep Maduro in power. Sadly, Cuba's most prominent export these days is not cigars or rum, it's oppression. Detente with the regime has failed. 
Cozying up to Cuban dictators will always be a black mark on this great nation's long record of defending human rights. For these reasons, I'm announcing that the Trump administration will no longer suspend Title III, effective May 2nd, the right thing to bring the right to bring an action under Title III of the Libertad Act will be implemented in full. I have already informed Congress of my decision. All right, I'm not going to play the rest of it, but I'm going to explain to you what is going on. So today is a huge news cycle day. And like I said, it's a lull for the mainstream media, but listening to me, you're getting the dibs on what's going on here. The EU and Canada are literally losing their mind, completely losing their mind. The minute this was announced, you know that Pelosi and Schiff's phones were ringing like crazy because guess how many Canadians, entities, government, EU entities, government... Australian, New Zealand have properties and operations in Cuba. Ooh, ooh. It is a big deal. They are not liking this at all. In fact, uh, you know, they are freaking out completely. Because not only have we sought to liberate Venezuela by supporting the people, not regimes, not candidates, but the people. Now we're doing the same in Cuba and no one has ever enacted, uh, you know, the actual, uh, what is it called? I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's called the Helms Burton act. So that was the Libertad act that he's, um, referring to that was passed in 1996, uh, by the 104th Congress and, um, put into law, uh, by Bill Clinton in 1996, but it was literally, you know, on the table for a very long time. No one has actually initiated any actions based under that title. Remember when the president had issued an executive order for executive orders in regards to Venezuela a year before it happened. Remember how I was talking about Venezuela in November when no one was even thinking or inclined making any notion or discussions about Venezuela. But I was telling you about it. Cuba is the same, though we didn't need executive orders because we already have the law in place. And that law was there as leverage. So the Clintons installed that law for leverage, but said no one's ever going to really, you know, push forward with it. Need not worried. So just so you know that they consider uh, the Cuba-related measures uh, to go against international law. Like, let's talk about international law for a second. You know that there's an international criminal committee thing where we as a country supposedly give all the power to these international nations to come and investigate our country and find us guilty of crimes. Well, President Trump <laughs> said, you have no power over my country. It's America first. We don't care what you have to say. You can find us guilty of anything you want. You can charge ham sandwiches made in the U.S. You can charge bagels and people and everything. You mean nothing. Remember when he said that? Well, just last week, they dismissed a case where they were investigating stuff about Afghanistan. And he clearly told them what the other people did. I really don't care because I don't acknowledge you. You have no power over me. Uh, do you guys remember that movie Labyrinth? 
where when the girl realized that he had no power over her, the world shattered and she came back to reality. Yeah. So this is exactly what happened. And keep in mind, both the Democrats and the Republicans last week were super ecstatic that that happened. (laughs) But obviously the mainstream media is not going to tell you that. So when the ICC dismissed the case against the United States, because the president said, you could go ahead and do whatever you want. You do something like that. uh, You know, we're not going to be talking anymore. So now here they go again. Here they are pulling international treaties, memorandums of understandings, and, you know, pushing for it. The US, the EU's foreign affairs rep, um, Mogherini, and the trade commissioner said that they um, had put together an application, uh, you know, that would support uh, Cuba's regimes. And that the EU will be fighting any measures because, as Pompeo said, any person or company doing business in Cuba should heed this announcement, meaning you will be sanctioned, too. Remember with Iran, how we have sanctions and all these British banks, you know, Dutch banks, German banks, French banks were money laundering for them and bypassing our U.S. system. Remember started Standard Chartered Bank? Remember Unicredit that I told you about? There's more to come. They're all being held to these sanctions that the Obama administration never, ever imposed. They were there in law, but he let them do. So under this act that has been existing and that no one actually enforced, any company that operates any property seized by Cuba during Fidel Castro's 1959 communist revolution would face lawsuits in U.S. courts, in the courts, in our courts. And this is huge. Any businesses, any buildings owned in Cuba will be investigated to see if they were stolen by Castro and sold to these people in this failed, you know, communist experiment, like he said. The European Union and Canada have been against, like strongly against the Helms-Burton Act. Now you have to keep in mind, Pull up the Senate financial filings. Pull up the financial filings from congresspersons, people that have been around since the 90s and the early 2000s. Look how many of them own property in Cuba. Because specifically, when Fidel Castro bought or no, stole properties and buildings, he then sold them to countries. And, you know, Trudeau, possibly the love child of Fidel Castro, probably has a lot of interest there because Canada's all up in arms like, ah, it's illegal. It's violating international law. We don't care. It's America first. And if you're doing business with them, we will hold you accountable. Hey, Canadian Bank, what you doing there? Good. Are you investing? Did you buy bonds to buy a building that Fidel had confiscated that's not of the free people? We need to talk about this. And, you know, Countries like Canada, European member states, all have massive investments in Cuba, massive. And how they claim to say that, you know, that the EU actually has their own ambassador. So the EU as a whole has their own ambassador. And he made a statement earlier today, which was that the application of the U.S. embargo is illegal and violates international law. We don't care. This is U.S. law. If you want to play with us, if you want to trade with us, if you want to play nice, and if you want to support freedom and destroy this global cabalistic network that you have where you're 
goal is to enslave every woman, man, and child on the planet, then, you know, then we shouldn't be, you know, tangoing together. We shouldn't be dancing. We should just, you know, call it quits. Maybe you can get your cars or technology or phones from someone else because they're not coming from the United States. So just so that you know, um, the concerns they have is that, you know, airlines and, you know, obviously cruises um, are exempt. So, you know, I want to go to Cuba because I want to go get the um, $1, that's how much it costs, vaccination against lung cancer. And that is actually very effective. Um, Not because I have lung cancer or history of lung cancer, but I do have a history of bone cancer and just cancer in general in my life and my family history. So, I mean, that would be great because it's against small cell carcinomas. Anyway, so if you want to go to Cuba, you can travel. If you want to take a cruise to Cuba, you can. But if you own a building or have businesses or have bought bonds on buildings that were stolen by Fidel Castro and they've been bonded, then you're in a lot of trouble. If you've bought sections of a port, seaports, airports. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? This is massive. And this comes on the heel of the Caribbean discussions that were held. The Caribbean discussions that I urge you guys to see the article where I wrote um, Caribbean, I think, edition it's titled, or you could just go Marlago, where deals happen. We had five nations from the Caribbean bloc, I would say, that came and sat down with the president, which said that never happened before until Reagan, since Reagan, and that was at the beginning of the Reagan administration, of course, where you know, they're in our waters. We share water borders with them, right? They're in our like pool, I would say, if you think about it, uh, to our country. So why wouldn't we be working with them? Why wouldn't we be offering trade deals with them? Why wouldn't we be supporting their independence? Most of them are subjects to the crown, of course, some to France, But a lot of them seek independence. Cuba is one of them. And it's just about the Cuban people and the regime that has continued. So it's pretty interesting to see how this is all going to work out. Because now they, they, they only have like 15 days to get rid of property and kill their investments there. That's a huge loss, man. May 2nd, and it's, and it's April 17th. That means 10, 3, 15 days exactly to the T, calendar days, to get rid of investments, to stop doing business, to sell it. Who's going to buy it when there's sanctions involved? Nobody. So you're just going to have to forfeit it and hand it over to the people of Cuba. Whoa. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Germany having to hand over those two buildings? Could you imagine China having to release contractual, uh, you know, agreements with the ports in Havana? Could you imagine Canada having to release such multi-million dollar agreements with airports and, and, uh, ports? He is literally working magic. This is how you keep the coals lit under their feet. So they know who's boss. When you say you want fair trade and they're still playing dirty, when you say I won't play with you unless you play fair and they play dirty, all you have to do is keep those coals lit. 
They are literally on fire from all ends. From the Iranian sanctions that are going to be, that, that are already crashing down on their private institutions where they were making tons of money, cleaning up money from Iran via our country under Obama's watch, right? Under Barack Hussein's Obama watch. So, hey, Obama, remember how you said no one in my administration was ever under FBI investigation? We only just started. Only just started. And I just wanted to mention, did you guys know that Michelle Obama was actually in Paris when Notre Dame was on fire? I'm just saying. Celebrating and taking pictures with the smoke in the background. I just wanted to point that out. Literally on fire. Literally. The Cuban government. We'll see how that works out. But for now, guys... All I could tell you is that this guy is anything but lazy, anything but just saying things. And if all of you can't realize just how much work he's doing, how much stuff he is getting done, you're not paying attention. And it's not your fault because there's no one out there talking about this. No one's telling you about analyzing and, and, and advising you what these MOUs mean. No one is out there telling you about the executive order where he literally outlined, all right, you want to play? You want to come through my borders? Any, any port? Oh, well, it comes through me. You already have agreements? That's okay. We're going to review all of them. And by 2020, every single one of them will be reviewed. That's how you make things happen. You hit from all sides. So, you know, Russia actually shut down uh, a base that they had in Cuba. They've actually pulled out. You know that, right? And they have no investments in there. You do know that, right? But Canada and the European Union actually bought most of the stuff that Russia and uh, South Korea and Argentina and Uruguay had so I just thought I'd bring this to your attention, guys, because this is really popping. And, you know, this week is going to be exciting. I know all of us are waiting tomorrow for the Mueller report. I'm pretty much convinced that Assange is already here. I just haven't gotten confirmation on that. So we'll see. On that note, I can't believe my show is already over. I wish you all a great evening, a healthy one, filled with love and happiness. And for those of you celebrating Easter, uh, it's Great Wednesday for the Catholics. Until tomorrow, I bid you a wonderful evening. I'm really excited. And we're going to see this Mueller report released tomorrow. So that's exciting. From all of us here at Red State, God bless. And thanks for tuning in. I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place on Red State Talk Radio.